0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? A million dollars in total prizes are up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all of this week's action by downloading the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that code is THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool eligibility restrictions and terms apply. See draftkings.com for details.
0: off the tracks what's up everybody welcome back to the in the dome podcast okay all right you split a two game set with the oilers um we're gonna break it down let's start with the loss well how can you not start with the loss well, I mean you're only as good as your last at bat, so as 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 great as that, that win felt, I feel just as bad, if not worse, the next next game after. So
1: the loss the loss was worse than the win was good.
0: Yeah, it is. That's yeah. why it's called that's why Cherry used to say it's called sudden death over time, because the pain you feel in the loss never <laughs> just the elation you feel in the win. And that's the nature of sports. So maybe um what did you see? I have a I have a pretty interesting take on the on the whole second game as a whole, but what did you see?
1: I don't know, it kind of just felt like old habits dying hard, like Sutter was talking about in the Montreal game, how they pretty much played a mistake-free game. Last night was not a mistake-free game, it was pretty much mistakes all game. And the thing that's the thing that seems to be lingering the most is Yeah, you lost seven, three, but like, why did the flames have such a proclivity to like let things get so out of hand all the time? Like, this is the third time in the last calendar year you've lost, you've let the Oilers score seven goals on you. Like they they just seem to be I don't even think they played that bad. It's just why are they so (laughs) prone to just completely falling apart? Like it's like just when they're back into it, terrible giveaway goal. Just when they're back into it, terrible penalty goal and then it just snowballs and all of a sudden it's 7-1 like that's what that's the part where i'm confused is like why does this team have such a propensity to just completely fall apart at times at critical moments in the in games a lot yeah but having said that again sh- crappy loss so many things went wrong a lot of things I didn't like we'll get into them th- but the thing that is encouraging is There were still some good shifts there. There still is some consistencies in how they're playing game to game. It's not like this wild swing. It's not like they're just, you know, coming out and completely shitting the bed. Like I thought after the first 10 minutes, they settled in nicely, had a pretty good start to the second period, had some zone time. Some of the four checking stuff was working. So, I mean, game to game over these four games, we have seen some consistent play at the very least.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I'll be honest. I I honestly, I thought that w- with bringing Daryl Sutter in, and the type of hockey he rolls out, that we weren't going to see these blowouts anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I honestly thought it'd be behind us. So that was that was a little shocking to me. Um, it's a little concerning, obviously, because it's it always it always seems to fall in the middle. I know the big debate. Right, about this whole coaching change has been is it the players or is it the coaching? And obviously it's both. But if it's if if it's obvious that the coaching is a major issue, you have to replace Ward, right? Um, I feel like having slept on it, I'm I'm actually not worried. I was a little shell shocked last night. Like it looked like I I felt like a lot of the flames players looked. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but what I have to remind myself is, like, this team has, like you said, old habits, right? Sutter, he's had one week to work with this team, okay? Yeah. And so, we have three wins to show for it. Exactly. So, take it with a grain of salt, right? That loss, like you said, there's some good things. I don't think that – I mean, Markstrom was terrible last night. Yeah. Um, he even said it seemed like every chance they got was going in. So, I don't necessarily think the score indicated how – Close the actual matchup was even though we definitely lost that game pretty handily, but it probably wasn't really a seven three win. It's probably maybe like five-two, right?
1: No, and again, like you can't give Connor McDavid that much ice and dry settle too and expect him not to score. So the opponent, the fact that literally everything went in, the fact that they had 86 power play, well, not even 86, they scored 86 times on the power play, and Markstrom was shaky at the end. Add all those things up and I mean that's a recipe to give the Oilers seven goals, but it probably should have been more like four one five two type type of night. But that's what I'm saying is like the, <laughs> I don't understand why these guys like it, it seems to happen a lot. Like the the worst one is that is the is, and most recent one is that seven one loss to the Oilers or go back to the playoffs when they got absolutely shell shocked by the Stars or go back even further to the year before the others beat them like eight to three in the saddle dome, or the, there's the big nine, one loss member against Pittsburgh that everyone yep. credited for turning the season around. It's like, this team seems to have <laughs> issues just like not letting things spiral out of control a lot. And again, maybe this happens elsewhere and I'll have to look into it, but it sure seems to happen a lot more frequently here.
0: Yeah. Now, if you're looking at, breaking this down it's like okay like we mentioned Sutter's had a week you got three three actually pretty great wins to show for it right where you actually we already talked about in the last podcast you dominated Montreal five on five one of the best five on five teams that first game against the Oilers wasn't you executed your your game to ati don't I'm not sure if maybe one of the biggest differences in game two you couldn't establish a four check Right. They maybe have like they had five minutes in the game where they got the four check going and it was like looking good. Um, I don't know how much of that is Mike Smith was a beast playing the puck last night, <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it, every single time we dumped it in, he was back there breaking out for the team. So um, like at some point, you got you have to put it in the corners where he can't get it. And you, you gotta work that into your game plan. But the main point I think I want to make is like this team hasn't had the nitty gritty coaching, the in-depth, the get into each individual pulling all the little things out and like ironing out all the kinks within each individual. Um not, They haven't had it yet. It's only been a week, right? That's, we believe Daryl is that guy. Even last night, look, it's a work in progress. Daryl said it last night. He literally said straight up this group is a work in progress and the tone in which he said it basically meant that um there's still a lot of work to do right but this whole where we're at who knows are we gonna make the playoffs i don't know you 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 cut your deficit you were you're in a six-point hole coming into last week with the week we had last week you cut that in half and you maintained it this week so you have two games against the Leafs. We seem to match up fairly well against them in terms of getting results. Um, I don't know. The Oilers look good, man. And it, as much as it pains me to say it, they're a good team. And this last game two, right, after after game one, because here's where we've been at, the Oilers are beatable. Sure, they're a good team, but they're beatable, Right. They got the two best players in hockey. I don't know how that happens. It's like this is like um Lemieux and, and uh Yager. Oh, don't even. You make me barf. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is, man. Ugh. I know it's very barf-worthy, but oh, and how ugly is Connor McDavid? is maybe we'll touch on that one more time. Dude, just can he satisfy just ourselves. like Connor Connor please shave.
1: All you got to do is just trim, dude.
0: Oh my shave. god maybe clean up the diet a bit it looks like you're you're you know 14 years old with that acne going all over the place
1: get a haircut cut out the milk and the gluten and shave a bit dude
0: like jeez you're the, the face of is, the
1: league and they can't even show your face
0: the thing is when we're winning and Connor's losing and he's ugly man it's satisfying to look at but when he's when we're losing and he's winning his ugly face i just can't even handle it
1: his little grin after he makes an unbelievable play is so annoying
0: so annoying <laughs> <laughs> but this is what we have to deal with our number 1 rival in the entire league your divisional rival your provincial rival has the best player in the world he has the best player since Wayne Gretzky when do we get when do we get a Gretzky <laughs> i know Right? It's not fair you just have to luck out and get 16 first overall draft picks in in five years is that how it's done like the fuck anyways it's gonna be really interesting to see if they can salvage this the season i'm i'm just man, after after those, that win against Oilers it's so hard not to just like just be so bought in and, yeah. and get and get just like so emotionally involved but we also have to keep ourselves in check because it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be take a miracle to get back in the playoffs. But if you're looking at this thing from the big picture, yes, the goal is still make the playoffs this, this season, but realistically I think we're looking at a larger scope of time here and not necessarily having to have it all happen this season.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. And again, it's going to be, like you said, what did he say? It's a process or it's a work in progress. Like, I mean, how many of those goals last night again were just like bad, bad defensive mistakes, right? Like, what are you doing, Lucic? What are you doing, Backlund? Like, why is nobody on McDavid? It's just, and it's just pretty tactical X's and O's things that kind of led to your loss last night. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think this game is probably the most interesting. This upcoming one against the Leafs tomorrow is probably the most interesting game thus far because. Now we get to see Daryl's adjustments for the first time because he hasn't had to do much in terms of, you know, adjusting the roster, adjusting what they're doing tactically through the three wins. Now it's his first chance to really get into it and get uh, start doing some things that he thinks will help the team be better. I'm really curious to see what that is. Um, One thing he did say last night that I kind of want your opinion on, he was talking about how, because I see a lot of people who are like, oh, this is just Sutter hockey. He was talking about how the Flames need to play more defensively because they don't have the offensive weapons that the other teams do in the division, like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, Marner. And I know some people are kind of like mad about that. And it's just like, why don't you just play more offensive? But isn't he right? Like the Flames don't have anything close to the offensive firepower of those teams, no? I
0: know this is, He said this probably three or four times now. Even I think when he was doing his interviews before he got here, that's how he was, that, that was his, you know, some summation of this team in this division. And who, who's, who's the next closest guy to Connor McDavid on our team? It's gotta be Johnny Gaudreau. And yes. right. And dude, they're worlds apart. They're not even close to the same player. Um, When if you take Johnny Gaudreau at his best compared to Connor McDavid at his best, they're not even close. No. Nowhere near. Maybe the gap is is smaller between Gaudreau and Dry Sidle. But man, like you said, how many times have you said this? Where all you have to do if you're Dave Tippett, put the two of those guys together. They can single-handedly win you games. So, and Daryl, you know, in the same vein has said that when you're playing against guys like Connor McDavid and Connor McDavid is better than than Austin Matthews, even though Austin Matthews and Marner is is pretty deadly too, right? But when you're playing against guys like Connor McDavid, one guy is not going to do it. You got to work as a unit. Last night, I like, and this is what blows my mind is there's no coverage on Connor McDavid last night. That first goal where Lucic does his patented no look backhand pass up the middle of the ice. Why is, if you're going to do no look backhands, can you at least go backwards? Can you at least chip it towards the boards? Why are you doing no look backhands, these soft little backhands up the middle of the ice? Why? That's his patented move, bro. He learned that from like David Krejci or something, probably. Especially when you've been burnt on it like six times already this season. You're going to do that when you know Connor McDavid's on the ice? Like, what the fuck? But if you break down that entire shift, there's three instances where the Oilers are moving the puck around the horn, and I how can you not just keep your eye on McDavid when you're watching the game? Like, I don't, I don't do it intentionally. All I know was like, I know he's the biggest threat in hockey on the planet. When this guy's on the ice, he's the biggest threat in the world. So I can't ha- help, but just kind of keep my eye on him at all times. Cause I know if he gets open and the puck goes to him, there's going to be a scoring chance. I don't get how the, the coach goes out and says this, The players all say this. You always hear them say this. Oh, yeah, you you know where he is at all times. I know where he is at all times. I'm watching the fucking game. I don't know what these players are doing. There's three times before that goal even happened. Connor McDavid is left alone all by himself. I don't get what kind of coverage you're playing here when you know that you have to cover the best guy in hockey. So what happens is, and sure, right, he's good at finding open ice. What the fuck, man? You got like, you got back on a Mangiapane out there. I get it. Lucic, you know, can't keep up with him. But how is there not a guy on him at all times or even in the vicinity? How do you not anticipate that he's the number one go-to play? They're going to try and funnel the puck through him. I don't get it. They didn't even have to try. Like literally when he got the puck on that one ship before they scored, he has like two, three seconds to do whatever the fuck he wants with the puck. I don't get how that's a a recipe for success. That's a game plan. I don't understand it. It made no sense to me. Yeah, you can literally watch McDavid
1: start on the the right-wing boards. For some reason, Backlund's nowhere to be found, and Lucic is, like, in the corner. There's no pressure on him, so he gets all the time in the world to just drift in, take a shot, gets a shot, and then Lucic just, you know, slingshots the pass right back to him, right in the high slot. And again, is anyone near him? I've got a screenshot of it right now. There's three flames and in the middle of them with about a four foot radius on every side of them is Connor McDavid right in the slot and Ryan Nugent Hopkins right in the, <laughs> across from him. It's just like, man, that is some piss poor defensive coverage right there. Well, like
0: McDavid is a smart player, but this isn't rocket science. Like the reason why he can do get all alone up there is he knows, right? If you're the centerman, Typically, you're playing man on man, three on three down low with the demon if you're on the defensive side. So all he has to do is come up to the point there on the half boards by the blue line. And then, you know, the center coverage is gone. You're left with the wingers. But like, man, how is the breakdown so bad? Against apparently someone you need to know where he is at all times. It would be one thing if you're getting beat one-on-one by McDavid and it's just yeah. like, fuck, you, yeah, you That's just a
1: great play, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just like, and that's going to happen because he's that good. But to actually give him a five-foot radius with ample time, it's
1: unacceptable. Yeah, and I mean, Com- that's that, that, completely unacceptable. Again, like your, your quote about... You got to know he's out there. Like what on earth is Lucic thinking? Lucic watches McDavid shoot that. And then almost immediately gives them puck right back. What on earth is going through his brain right there? Egregious, egregious and unforgivable giveaway by Lucic right there.
0: Now, um, like the the most fascinating thing for me right now is just to see the impact and what Sutter does. Throughout the entire season, I'm not just talking about how he responds to this, right? I want to see how how he, he addresses this, this issue with this team as a whole. I mean, you look at game one. Game one was awesome. You come out. You set the tone. You stick to your game plan. Your forecheck was great. You were breaking down the D, left, right, and center. Uh, you were, for the most part, defensively sound, right? You were able to generate chances throughout the throughout the entirety of the game. You found the back of the net. And you're able to get your lead, stick with it. When, when the Oilers tied it up, you bounce back right away and went ahead again. Like that was a, that was a great execution of a game. Then you come out in game two and here's where I'm at. Like we always talk about this. The Oilers are a beatable team, but that doesn't mean you're going to beat them. I just think that coming into game two, your mentality should have been, um, mentally strategic and what i mean by that is how do you beat the others again because here's where i'm at right you watch game one and yeah you all those things that i just mentioned you know give you the win but then you're like Fuck, man they we went toe to toe like that was a nail biter down to the wire i think you know at, at parts of the game we we outplayed them at parts of the game they don't play this is a pretty evenly matched game i think Coming out on top, I mean, we were probably the better team um, throughout the majority of it, but it was really close. So then you're like, okay, well, how do you follow that up? And sure, you know, the stat answer is you got to, you know, do the exact same things and, you know, replicate the game it has had. But there's more to it, I think. I think there's the game within the game. And we, we usually talk about this, right? The whole, the whole mental aspect of the game. Because – what we've seen from this Oilers team is that they can be fragile, right? If, and look, Dave Tippett's done a good job to, to really work on that. They're not as fragile as they used to be, but they still have that, right? If you wanted to beat this Oilers team, you can, okay. and like the stats prove this, they pull us up every single goddamn game. We have to watch a game on Sportsnet. <sighs> How these guys always respond. How McDavid Oh, look out. McDavid was held off, whatever, to how many points. He's going to, he's probably going to have a five-point game now, right? You see it every fucking time. I mean, you know exactly how they're going to respond. They just dropped two two games and didn't want to lose three in a row. So for me, I, as a, as a coach or even as a player, I know that the game plan is, look, you got to silence these guys early because if, you come off that win where you beat them. You go to the thing is when you go to toe to toe with a team and you beat them. They got beat, right? If you keep getting beat and beat and beat, it starts to wear on you mentally. So you have to win that first period, and you have to win the first ten minutes of the first period. We saw the opposite happen, but I don't get how. Okay, if it was me, I would have had a shadow on both McDavid and Drysdale, because I would have known that if you can shut those guys down and quiet them a little bit in that first period, that's your best shot of winning two times in a row against them. And maybe it's different because it's not a playoff series, right? It's a regular season game, so you don't really go to that well. But are we not really in a playoff, you know, format here? Because <laughs> we're battling for our playoff lives.
1: If you won last night, you would have been three points back with the other games in hand.
0: And you would have had a mental ground on them. Yeah. Now it's the opposite. Like these guys, if they start feeling good about themselves, that's when they're unbelievable. And the opposite is true too. So, man, I would, I just wish that even if you're not going to put a shadow on McDavid and dry saddle, can you at least make sure there's coverage? Like where was it? So you, you did the opposite. You gave them all the time and space in the world to do whatever the fuck they wanted. They capitalized. They get that one goal, and then Richie takes a stupid-ass penalty. You're down You're down two goals in a matter of seven minutes. The game, in hindsight, pretty much over right there. That's yeah. it. That's all it took. So you have Bradstreet living going out and getting guys like Lucic and Richie to, quote-unquote, make this team harder to play against, yet those two guys cost you the game in a matter of seven minutes.
1: Yeah, but they're but they fight and stuff though.
0: So well, look, we we they were effective in game one, right? But they weren't in game two. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just think that you know, this whole Sun Tzu thing, art of war, this game within the game, the psychological aspect of the game is really real. And you needed to work on psychologically beating the Oilers last game, You, you were, in my opinion. And you totally failed to do it.
1: Yeah, 100%. You could have buried this. You could have buried them, and you, <laughs> you did
0: the exact opposite. Um, and, and so much is hanging in the balance. Like, how many more games do you have against these guys? If you see them in the playoffs now, do you think they're scared to play us? Oh, no way. Like, to me, that was a tipping point in your whole entire season. And I don't know. I just don't like the game plan going into it. I feel like you you should have put a blanket on those guys in the first period. Been like, I don't, I would have been, if, okay, if it was me coaching and I'm not a coach, but if it was was just me, I would have been like, I don't give a fuck about scoring goals. I would have told the the second and, or sorry, the third and fourth line, I said, you guys got to guess one or two goals in the first half of the game. That's your job. The top two lines—they're—they're they're not even gonna try and get goals. They're just focused on blanketing these guys. Like, like I would have probably rolled out a trap, just so that you could stifle those guys because they're at a moment of opportune potential weakness where you can psychologically fuck with them.
1: It would have been a perfect. It last night would have been a perfect opportunity to, under Daryl Sutter, to finally say to Connor McDavid. It's not going to be easy to score goals and rack up the points against the Flames anymore. If you're going to want to do it, you're going to have to, you know, go to the really tough areas, get dirty a bit. And they didn't do that. They made it. They did the exact opposite. They made it incredibly easy for them. In fact, like McDavid has the third most points by an Euler versus the Flames to the first six games of any season. He has 14 points against us the other the the only two player the only player to have more through two uh six games was Wayne Gretzky in 85 86 with 18 and Wayne Gretzky in 84 85 with 18 so yeah probably a good idea to you know maybe start making life a little bit more hard for
0: McDavid like holy shit yeah i mean especially read the game within the game right they got in game 1 they got uncharacteristic secondary scoring that's what kept him in the game you did a pretty solid job on McDavid and Drysett in game 1. Yeah. So you knew they're going to come out hungry. If you could have stifled them, you could have frustrated them. But like not only did you not do that, like you just said, you didn't even cover them at all. You
1: gave them so much time and space. It, it was ridiculous and I like, I on- yeah.
0: Like honestly, and, and I guess I'm just looking at the bigger picture, right? If you're going to play these guys in the playoffs, because if you want to beat the Oilers, I, I look at like, okay, if you want to beat them. Like you got to pitch your playoff series, right? How would you actually beat the Oilers in a seven game playoff series? The only way you can, you can beat them is you got to take away their will. And it starts with the two of those guys. You take away their will because how they go, the team goes. You've seen it a hundred times. And the only way you can take away their will is by you got to mentally, like you just said, the Sutter Hockey. You got to make it so fucking hard for them that once the results aren't coming, they start getting frustrated and frustrated, and just hope that in a seven game series you can do that long enough that they can't beat you. Like I don't, I don't see how there's any other way you're beating the Oilers.
1: Yeah, again, you're not beating them eight seven, but you could beat them four three. Just, you know, don't give McDavid every opportunity to destroy you and dry settle every opportunity to destroy you. Just limit them a bit like you did the last game. You're not going to outscore them. You can't outscore them. Doesn't mean you have to shut them out, but geez, just play basic defense, guys.
0: So I know I I I don't I was I was thinking about that too, that point you brought up, right? Like Daryl has gone out and said now that we're we don't have the firepower to stick with, with these types of teams. Um yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I guess there's part of me that's kind of like doesn't like hearing that. Yeah. But there's also the part of me that's gonna trust that Daryl knows what he's talking about, right? Because if you look at 1819, that was the MO. We just outscored teams. Oh. So,
1: well, and I, I don't even like, again, I'm still at wait and see mode and stuff like that. But like, I think the the most glaring and obvious example of like, okay, maybe that, that whole strategy needs to be altered a bit is like Gaudreau last night. Like he he can't play with those guys and be expected to play like strictly dump and chase if you're going to start scoring goals because you're going to, somebody's going to have to score. Eventually you can't just have Lindholm scoring like, one goal here and there and that's it. You need to get Johnny Gaudreau going. You still need to score more than more than one or two goals a night. And I mean somebody had the had the Flames uh successful dumps last night with Gaudreau on the ice. They went two for 15 in terms of uh gaining possession after a dump in with Johnny Gaudreau on the ice. Yeah. You can't you can't be throwing 23-13 and then a fourth liner out there and having them play this way. Like you're still going to need to score goals.
0: Yeah. Like um, again, I think Mike Smith, he was excellent at at uh, every single time we dumped it in. It seemed like, you know, eighty percent of the time he would just break the puck out by himself. It's pretty ridiculous. But if you're looking at Johnny Gaudreau, this guy needs if, look. If he's not going to be allowed to generate chances off the rush anymore, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure you know, if that's going to be the case or not, it looks that way, but then he needs play driving line mates. I mean, you were texting me this morning. I was like, why can't Monaghan play the wing? If he sucks at defense, he can't want a fucking face off. Why is he playing center anyways? Yeah. Like how many times were we texting over the last, well,
1: you've been saying this forever is like, can he win a goddamn draw on the power play? He must be one for a hundred. like, I'm serious. Like every time the flames have a power play, it's guaranteed the pucks get nice on the first shift because Monahan can't win the draw. Why is he taking those draws? God. But yeah, like you tried Backlund on the wing last year for some reason, like Monahan does what he does well, which is score goals, but he's not a good puck retriever. He doesn't help. He doesn't drive play in the least. So, like, what is Johnny Goudreau supposed to do when he's dumping the puck in?
0: Yeah. And this might be a new a new problem for Daryl to figure out. Like, has he ever had an extremely skilled featherweight before?
1: Don't think so. Like, what's the closest comparable at, as your team's best player? Probably not. Like, because you look at his Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, the Flames had a Ginla. I mean, he's had skilled players, but as your number one offensive producer, a guy whose game solely relies at you know generating offense via his playmaking and usually via his transition game, it's a new challenge for him for sure, I think.
0: Yeah, and this is where I just go back to the bigger picture, long, longer term looking. I don't think Daryl Sutter is going to stick with what doesn't work. Yeah. I, I don't think he's the square peg round hole guy like we've seen with Warden Galtz, and that's why that was so infuriating. So what you're seeing now, right? There's an adjustment process. I think he's smart enough that if it's not working, he won't continue to force them to do it. Um, but well, and I think it's a little more
1: than because if you're just looking at, it at a basic level, it's gonna it's more complex than just like. Johnny Gaudreau is only going to dump the puck in and he can only dump the puck in, right? I, I watched Gaudreau dump the puck in religiously last night. Like, for anyone who thinks Johnny Gaudreau is uncoachable, watch the last four games and just watch that guy <laughs> dump that puck in religiously. Like, he will follow what the coach tells him to do to AT. I never want to hear about how uncoachable Gaudreau is. Like, holy shit. Guy's too coachable. Guy does it too much. But anyways, like, I, I think it's less like, Sutter's going to force him to play this way and it's never going to work. Because it, like in the first few games, he he was still generating enough once they got the puck. I just think it's putting him in a position to be successful. If they are going to play a certain way, he needs to be with different line mates as far as I'm concerned. Because like, again, what is Monaghan's pretty much useless unless he's getting a feed in the slot. I'm sorry, Brett Ritchie's a fringe NHLer. um So if you're going to be playing this way, and honestly, like I do think the season... Uh, ways in the balance with how Gaudreau can produce offense because that's gonna be the difference maker on most nights over the over the long term is can the flame like again Daryl said they're not gonna outscore teams you still need to score you still need yeah. like you still need to score I'm sorry you still need to score goals so I don't know if you're gonna play this way Johnny needs Johnny needs some assistance but man it's I don't know. I'm really curious. Like you said, I trust Daryl's smart enough to not do the ward thing, which is continue to try things that don't work, but I don't know. I'm curious to see how it
0: plays out and how he yeah. adjusts it. Johnny, um, you know, he feeds off the rush, right? And that's, that's cause he's so skilled, right? And he can create something out of nothing. Um. So if, if he's going to be forced to play the, the, the dump and, and jump and chase, and generate all of his offense from down low, then he needs to be playing with guys because he that's not how he drives play, he drives play free wheel and open ice. So if he is being forced to drive play, mucking it down low, um like the guy is 5'9, 165, <laughs> and that's just genetics and He's probably even smaller than that because that's that's what he, that's what it says on the on the whatever sheet and those are always beefed up a bit mm-hmm. he's probably not 590 he's probably not 165 but he can't get bigger he's fucking tiny so if he's gonna be asked to like look at the defenseman he plays against. They're all fucking massive. He's playing against guys that are like <laughs> literally half a foot taller than them and probably anywhere between 40 to 60 pounds heavier. Good fucking luck. I mean, he's skilled, but he's not that skilled. So if he's going to be asked to to generate chances from down low off the cycle you know, then he needs better line mates because he can't, he's had to carry around line mates this whole career. Right. And Sean Monaghan, look, he's an elite finisher. We spent a lot of time on it, um, but like, you're going to stick him with Sean Monaghan and Brett Ritchie. Like Monaghan is, is a similar player to Gaudreau. He's just not, <laughs> look, he, he beefed up, but he's not dominant, you know, one-on-one. He's not dominant down low. He's an elite finisher. He knows how to find the open space and put the puck away. So either these guys need, you know, a different game plan, or maybe it's time to split them up. Um, does Daryl have the, the big enough balls to be the one to finally split these guys up? They like they need someone. Look, Brent is effective in terms of size, and you know, that was even stutter strategy is like those those Monty and Johnny need a bigger and faster player to you know to play with. But they need someone that can drive play. Like they need they need that, and someone that also drives play. Someone like obviously Ryan O'Reilly is is an extreme version. We don't need someone that good. I mean, you've got the perfect guy in Lindholm, but whatever. Right? Like, why? Imagine if you moved. Uh, here's the thing: it's just like your centerman means to a be good at face offs. Monan sucks face offs. B, needs to be able to win one-on-one battles down low. Not really Sean Monahan's biggest strength. Like, maybe you should try moving him to the wing. Put, imagine Lindholm in the middle of, um, you know, Johnny and and, and Monty, or you even split him up. How about, what about even, like, Monty Pani for even a small guy, he drives play, right? And he can actually, you know, win those puck battles down low. What if you put Johnny with even back on it and, and, and
1: Dude, at this point, anything with, with Johnny. Because that, that's the thing with him. Like you were saying, he can't be expected to carry the load in the zone if that's how they're going to play. Like, he just can't, right? Like He's a guy, he can get pucks to other guys in really tight spots. But, geez, you can't expect him to be going and getting dump-ins or, like, cycling. Like, come on. So, he needs somebody who can do that for him in the offensive zone. Um, But he also needs a guy who can help him get out of his own zone when he gets stuck. He's not like terrible in his own zone, but he, you know, again, his physical capabilities limit him a bit. So that's why I think a guy like Lindholm is so good there. But I mean, seriously, if you just put him with Kachuk and Lindholm, swap him in Dubé, is that not already improved? Like, I just think the time has come for a serious, uh, discussion. You either go back to the Lindholm, Monaghan, Goudreau line and the 3M line, or you finally split Goudreau, Monaghan up. Those are the options at this point, I think.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, you're, if you're, if you're going to stick with this dump and chase and the, and just feed, you know, fuel your offense off the four check, which we've seen work in three games out of four. I mean, I don't know. I think honestly, maybe Mike Smith was the difference last game. Plus the team has looked kind of flat as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, but, how many chances did they bury into Smith's pads last night too? Like pretty much every single one.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, just a final point on the on the Johnny Gaudreau. It's just like you have what you have. Like you can't ask more than what your genetics can give you. Yeah, like people might be like, "Oh, well, Theo Fleury was a was a beast." I'm looking at Theo Fleury's number. It says he was five six. <laughs> If Johnny's five nine, there's no way Theo's five six. <laughs> right. Um, so but Theo had, you know, 15, 20 pounds on on Johnny, plus he was a bit of a psycho. So, um, you know, there's not really comparable in the size differential. But the point is, it's like if you if you're going to stick with feeding off the four check, give him some players. I think Manji Pawani would be. Manjupani would be excellent
1: with Gaudreau because he, and that's the other thing too with these lines right now. I'm sorry, you can't have two of your top six like they're so thin up front already. You, can, I've been saying this forever. You can't have Backlund and Manjupani, whether or not it's the third line or not. They need to be up in the rotation. Yep. because again, like Dylan dubey has been good, but he's still not a legitimate every night playing against top competition. You're going to get more from Manjupani in the top six as your Backlund and Brett Ritchie does not belong probably even in the top 12, let alone in the top six. So you're thin up there already. You can't keep forcing or like you can't have guys like Richie and Dubay playing similar and a lot of nights more minutes than Andrew Mangi Pani if you're gonna be an effective like again the, the top six is so thin. So I just think bumping Manji Pani up is is another easy is another simple fix. So we'll see what we'll see what Daryl does. I'm really I'm really intrigued. I'm surprised he hasn't pulled out the line blender yet.
0: Well, I know one of his, I think one of his strategies for this team and the takeover was to try and keep as much uh, the same as possible. Yeah. While while addressing the, the, the most blaring Issues. obvious needs. Yeah. So, but at what point now does that become the blaring issue? So, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be interesting to watch how it unfolds. I mean, you, you know, the whole point with, uh, the whole back manager thing. Like how good were those guys in game one? Was were they not your, your top performers?
1: Oh yeah. They're, they were, they were great. I thought Lindholm was really probably the best player on the ice in both games, honestly, but that the backland, was really good in that first game.
0: And then last night it, it was literally a case where Milan Lucic really dra- dragged those guys down last night.
1: Yeah, and I know Daryl didn't like Manjupani's penalty in the in the third period, and I mean, really bad giveaway by Backlund. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not trying to shit on Lucic, but I mean, like, this is something Ward never could figure out: is when it's time to you know diminishing returns, right? Yeah, you, you you can get diminishing returns from Lucic on that line, and I same understand. With, same and same with Richie on the. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um. And I understand that Lucic is a good – is a decent player in his own zone, minus the blaring right up the ice, up the gut giveaways
0: half the time. Good. Usually, at this pace, what is it, one every four games? Like, he's good yeah. for it.
1: But, I mean, come on. You're not getting – like, even if you put Dubay there and put, like, Gaudreau on the top line, you're telling me you wouldn't that, – that line wouldn't be better and more effective with a guy who can skate? So, I don't know. The Lucic with and I don't even like I know back then the Lucic have a bit of chemistry, but I like their games and especially with Manjupani there as well. Like, I don't know, their games just don't seem to click as much as people seem to think, in my opinion. just I don't know what Lucic really brings to that line other than that he can once the cycle gets going, he's he's a big body and can keep a cycle going. But outside of that, I don't really know what he's bringing to that third line. But it's, it's, for me, it's less about Lucic and more about those two guys need to be more utilized more properly.
0: Yep. And, it, you know, it, it, it is. It's the ongoing dance, right? So as long as as Daryl is adjusting as he goes, I'm not sure. I mean, we're recording this before practice today. I'm really curious to see. I hope there's at least one adjustment. I hope he at least changes one thing. Um, and if he doesn't, then they sure as shit better be better five on five game one against Toronto. He better be addressing that as a whole. Well, yeah. But, but, you know, I'm at a place now where I still trust. I still trust that Sutter is a good enough coach um, that he's going to make the right adjustments, even if we're not seeing them on the surface.
1: Well, yeah. And again, like the last thing we're all freaking out today about the lines and stuff again, but I mean, again, if the flames, similar to a a recurring theme this year. If you clean up even two or three of those terrible defensive breakdowns, the giveaways, the lack of coverage on McDavid, and then Markstrom makes a save and you get a power play goal. This game, this game, you maybe even win this game, right? So it's the same old, the same mistake sunk the flames last night in that there was some really bad defensive lapses and your power play sucked.
0: Okay, let's, let's get into power play and let's get into Markstrom because this power play, like what is going on at what point? I mean, sure. There's been an adjustment. He's got Hannafin there instead of the, the, the Rass. Is at, <laughs> oh man. He's
1: been asked dude. Dude. He, he has been the biggest disappointment of the season by a
0: mile for me as of right now in that current, roster that's being dressed on daily basis, he is the weakest link. Easily. Yep. 100%. And he's another prime example of looking at, you got to be aware of where McDavid is at all times. What is he doing when he knows McDavid is the guy covering him? And he's just kind of like dipsy doodles with it on the blue line there. I don't know how he didn't get a penalty.
1: I know. And everybody was like, what a play by Anderson to take down McDavid without getting a penalty. I was like, did you see the two seconds previous where he like blatantly gave him the puck away, like an idiot.
0: Terrible. It's almost like on a a shift by shift. Now it's just like, when is this guy going to get his feet moving? He's way too slow. Yeah. Way too slow for this game right now. And he, he, his skating got worse. And I don't know if that's just, you know, from, from adjusting over time, slowly, the water, the frog, and the boiling water thing under Ward's system, but man, it's bad. And maybe that's part of the problem with Geo, too. It's like, and because of Geo's age, he just can't get that gear back. Rasmus needs to spend the summer on Daryl's
1: farm, just like doing chores. Just doing like what's a chore that gets your foot speed out? Just like throwing bales and just getting into a ridiculous shape. And that, you just that- gotta
0: work on, gotta work on fit, foot speed, man. It's plyometrics. The crossovers, like, again, those little ladders and shit. Uh, You know, short sprints from A to B. Like, this guy is, his foot speed is really bad. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, I the biggest thing that I can't get over with the power play is it's going on, like, what, a year and a half now? Where, okay, personnel, everything, all you want. But, like, I cannot believe that there is no, like, there's no adjustments of the actual formation and there's no different looks on the attack. Like they literally have nothing. They just shoot it from the point or the right circle and hope for a tip and that's it.
0: That's it's, it. It's pathetic. There's there's no like look at the best power plays historically even in the league, right? A lot of them rely on the the, the cross-ice one-timer to to a deadly shot like Ovechkin, um a, you Ladriacidal, like these one timer, these one timer cross ice passes score you a lot of power play goals, and I I, I guess who on our team has a good one timer shot? Probably Lindholm. Maybe other guys do, but they don't ever try it, so we don't know. But if you look at the heat maps, I mean, you posted this after the game. If you look at the heat maps of the Toronto and, and the Oilers on their power play. In front of the net, the amount of chances they're getting in the slot is what you would expect when you're on the power play, when you're on the man advantage. You look at the, the the Flames heat map, it's ice cold in the slot. Just so happens that's where your deadliest shooter is standing with guys covering them all the time. I don't get how Sean Monahan, you know, 80% of the time stationary in the slot is an effective utilization of probably your best shot. Well, and the other thing is too, like they, can, all, they, he, not, can he not one time the puck? Sorry to cut you off, but no. he doesn't have a one-timer option. I like, how do, why don't we I even mean, see it tried?
1: Well, how many times did we used to see when Gaudreau is on his off wing, which drives me crazy that they never try. He would fire a shot, a pass cross ice to Monaghan. Who's on his strong side and Monaghan would one time, a strong t- side one-timer into the net. That is a hard shot. That's a shot. not many guys can get off. That's a shot. Sean Monaghan can get off. That's a luxury on your power play. That is something that you can create. That's dangerous. Like, you know, the one I'm talking about with on the right wing boards, fires a cross ice pass to Monaghan on his strong side. And he buries it short side. Usually we haven't seen any of that. Good. is always on his strong wing. Lindholm's always on his strong wing. Monahan is just literally standing there vacantly with nothing to do. The only time he ever even gets the puck is when they try that stupid goal line pass to him that everyone sees coming that doesn't get the goaltender moving. That very rarely works that it really only works if there's a cross scene pass prior. And that's what I'm failing to understand because like the basic tenet of a power play being effective is cross ice and cross scene passes. Yes. Have you seen one this year? Even I've seen,
0: I've seen two and they both resulted in goals. You don't even have guys set up in their one time off wings. What who's running this thing? Is it is it Er It's Ray Edwards is the power play guy. Man, I don't understand how if like why aren't you studying the crap out of the Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs power play and then trying to emulate it in your own unique way that's gonna suit your players? Why are you wanna talk about sticking with something that's not working? This power play is a fucking embarrassment. From it's the, like, from the, from the breakout onwards. It's
1: 27th right now in terms of expected goals, four per 60. So creating dangerous uh,
0: scoring chances. 27th. How is your go-to these shots from the point? Blast from, it from, and from, hope for a tip. And we're not and like, listen, if you have Shea Weber or Al McKinnis, or, you know, guys like Brett Burns, or Eric Carlson, who actually have deadly shots, or Carlson can make deadly plays from up there. You just got like, uh, uh, oh, went I mean, right into his chest again. Damn!
1: Next time, uh, uh. well, they're so reliant on, on this on this tip. I thing, I missed the net. Geo just winds up on blasting it,
0: blast it into like, row six. Like there's that one shift five on five. I think it was the second period or second or third when you're actually. You know, hemming the Oilers in. It was like, it was <laughs> I that know exactly was what like, you're talking about. Like two or three minutes, but most of it is just like Geo and Rass passing it back and forth, firing into shin pads. Yeah, it's like From yeah, you all had sustained, the momentum. you had sustained pressure, but you didn't really generate a lot of scoring chances.
1: So I just don't understand the power play. Like I, I, I can't. It's cannot. terrible. It's so bad. And that's what
0: blows my mind
1: is like nothing is being changed about the power play. Like what the hell again, if you score on the power play last night, that game's a lot closer. Like just once, if you score like, I guess your good his garbage time goal. But I mean, if you score on one of the
0: previous ones game, totally different game. Totally. You got Chucky. I don't understand why this guy has to look at his windups. They're like three seconds long. Wait, I thought he perfected this move though. No, that no, you're talking about the between the legs. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfected. All right. So if you're listening to the broadcast, uh Kelly Rudy, apparently, Chucky's perfected it. I love this move. He's perfected it. One of the guys, one of the only, if if you've never if you have you scored on it this year, Are we what have we seen it? Like what's his times percentage? Now?
1: Like 0.4? The thing is, the times he scored with this dumb between the legs thing has been on the other side of the net. It's been on his, it's been on his left wing. Think about it. Think about the San Jose goal is when he's threatening to shoot and it goes between his legs. I've never seen him score on that. Well, maybe he gets once like four years ago against the Islanders. I hate that play so much. I want Daryl Sutter to tell Matthew Chuck, if you ever do that again, you're not playing for the rest of the night. I am so
0: sick of that shit. I mean, by comparison, the actual play you're supposed to do, they did it five on five, where Chucky finds Lindholm cross crease. Exactly. Where's that play on the power play? Because when I go back in my, you know, the recesses of my memory and think of the, the most deadliest power plays I've watched, they're always cross crease passes. And then Chucky with his windup, man, like when he's on, you know, the, fa- the face off dot or coming off the half boards. Like he takes forever to release the puck. It's ridiculous. Fix the power play.
1: I don't know how the, this is top priority. Fix it. Yep.
0: Oh boy. Oh boy. So yeah. like Daryl's got to do something about that. I don't care if it's not his, his role. He's the head honcho. He's got to tell Huska to pull his head out of his ass or Edwards, whoever the hell it is. That's ridiculous.
1: First signs of Markstrom, well, not first signs. He hasn't been super great in the last little while here, but he, he let in some shaky ones last night.
0: Look, um, before we coming into the week, we, we were both in agreement that you probably need to split the games with Edmonton and then split the games with Toronto. And it's easy to say in hindsight, yeah, Riddick should have started because Markstrom let in seven goals but he obviously hasn't gotten his game. back.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's tired or if he's, I don't know. This is hopefully he has a huge bounce back in the next start because. Well, the thing is, is like, that's why you pay $6 million for a goalie is because you, he makes a big save when you need it. And he did not do that at all last night. Like, again, it, like the flames were giving the puck away left, right, and center, but. If he makes a save on that Kahun, like that Kahun shot was insane. I won't blame him for that one. But if he makes the 4-1 save or something, makes one of those saves and the game is still within reach, he maybe could have reeled it in or at least pressed a little bit. That's that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, the concerning thing about it is the longer this goes on, the longer it's going to take for him to get his game back. Yeah. Like, and I, and when we say get his game back, I mean, you know what we're talking about. you you saw it in the first 15 games of the season, how unbelievable this guy was. So, but I don't know. I I think that he was overplayed. Then he got injured and now he's trying, he's behind the eight ball trying to get back. I think he will. Um, You know, after the game setter said he doesn't like pulling goaltenders. I want to get your thoughts on that. I I like, I like what you had to say about it. I like, I like that
1: he has a philosophy on it. I am not really. I don't know. It sounds like he knows. I, I like that. He said they need to be out there with their teammates.
0: And, and yeah. Battle back. Yeah. I, I, I like mean, that. And again, I mean, obviously, obviously the opposite we saw with Ward in the Dallas series, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I think something that has been lacking with coaches and for the, these guys has been like clear guidelines and expectations. Right. Like, again, I'll always go back to Sam Bennett saying, I don't know why I'm scratched. I don't know if they're playing mind games. Like, if you're Markstrom and you're a net, you know now, right? Like, I'm. It, it's clear you're not getting pulled, right? Yeah. Whether, whether or not that's ultimately the best move, I don't know. But at least from like a player personnel, a psychological perspective, you know what's expected of you. You know what's going on. There's not going to be any weird nonsense going on. So in terms of clear expectations, I do like that. I don't know. He probably could have used the rest, though.
0: <laughs> yep that's well, all i'm saying and daryl said he did say this work for him in the past so yeah can't argue with that yeah but i mean yeah the the, the power play comparison i mean Emerson goes three out of four 75 we go yeah. one for three 25 i like how um kelly Rudy's like i think it was the i don't know if it was the first or the second power play dude i had to listen to it on mute for the last five minutes <laughs> yeah i started muting them yeah i mean rick and kelly are a fun time when we're winning But when we're getting our asses kicked and they're just chuckling it up and having a good time, like it gets infuriating, (laughs) but I like how Kelly's like, Oh, here, the flames have a chance to go on the power play and build some momentum here. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm fucking right. Sure. It's it's the exact
1: opposite. I mean, it even happened in the last game where it's like, it just sucks all the momentum because they can't generate anything. It's pathetic.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Game two, man. Like he, right off the hop, you're out skated, out worked, out hustled. You lost every battle. I don't see. I didn't see them get to one loose puck before the Oilers did. So it, it did look shades of what we've seen in the past. I just hope Daryl can work it work this out out of them overtime because it's, it's awful to watch.
1: Yeah, I I'm curious to see post practice if Daryl has anything to say. He again, he did not like those penalties at all. He made it very clear who <laughs> and what he didn't like. Um, so. I'm curious. <clears throat> it, this is the, this is the most interesting game coming up because the first time Daryl Sutter has an excuse to make some changes and we'll see what those changes are.
0: The other thing that I thought I listened to is presser last night, because somebody did ask him right. To compare this team to the O four four team. Yeah. And you know, he kind of sloughed it off a bit, but he did say he, he you know, he did the, the air quotes when he said it, like this team is more skilled than Oh four team. But he said that the 04 team was more mature and that they they understood what they what they needed to do to see success and win. And I think that obviously that was because of Daryl, because they sucked before that, before Daryl. So I think it's a matter of Daryl knows what it takes to win, and he's gonna have to instill it over time. Look, it's only been a week. You knew that Daryl wasn't gonna win. We weren't gonna win. We weren't gonna go thirty and zero under Daryl.
1: Oh, we all thought it was gonna happen. You know, we all thought it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you knew you were gonna lose some games. Um. So, he he's got some work to do, because if you look at game one, you saw some really great things. Um, even going back to the Montreal. So we've seen some really great things, right? And. I feel like those things that we've seen that were great were a direct correlation to Daryl Sutter being there more. So what I think we saw last night was the direct correlation of the previous coaches we've seen being there. So he's, he's got work to do. Right. Um, but that, that game one was awesome. I mean, you, you, <laughs> Richie drops uh Jujar Kara, That was unbelievable. You had Lindholm stripping McDavid of the of the of the puck to set up Dubay for a goal. Shillington's flying down the ice and lobbing you know beautiful cross, cr- cross crease passes to the wide open guy. You catch Mike Smith roaming out of the net. <laughs> right, that was a perfect game. And when you lose your lead, you, you snap back quickly with a beauty snipe from Adophin. Um, yeah, I mean you you've seen we've seen some good stuff in a really short time time period. So I'm I'm still, I'm still in a good headspace.
1: Yeah, you're three in one. Like again, uh, that the seven spot leaves a bad taste in your mouth last night. But like, gr- like again, do, do we just f- completely forget about g- the first game when the Flames had, did a lot of really good things? Um, so if you get get working on the power play, try to get Johnny Gaudreau in a better spot, and I think you'll you'll be good to go. So um, the thing again, the thing that I'm most happy with is that the things that some of the things that won you the first game against the Oilers, you saw present in the second game. Like they pushed back in the second period for sure. Like I yeah. think that that was the most, that was the best thing to come out of this, this, uh, these, this four game statement, I think was the fact that the Oilers were able to tie the game and they didn't fall apart. They actually came back and pressed and won that yeah. first game. Like, cause how many times, Oh, three, two, three, three. And then you lose that game. Like, that's what happened the, the when the Flames lost to the Oilers well, last time when they lost three to two. The Flames were up, and then they just sat back and let the Oilers get back and just pretty much handed them the victory. The opposite happened in that game. They, they pressed, they came back, they fought back. Um, so, yeah, that first game was awesome. And I can't believe Kara's not getting a call for that hit on Shillington because that was brutal.
0: Yeah, I, I I mean if you look at it enough times, I think the only reason why is because he he definitely did slow up and let up, even though it was still direct contact to the head. Um, but how committed. is that not a textbook headshot though? Like Chillington
1: is engaged with another player, Kara takes out 20 strides and nails him right in the
0: head. Like ugh. I think if if Chillington was injured on the play, you, it's a different if it's it's a different result there. It's dumb. So, yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. Look, and this is why it's so intriguing to see because you know there's going to be some some speed bumps, some hiccups. Um, but like we mentioned, I think right now it's just a matter of, okay, now I'm curious to see if is there any adjustments? And if we don't see any adjustments on the surface, then we got to look for the adjustments underneath. Uh, but these, these two games the next against uh, Toronto is going to tell us a lot. Um, the other thing is – at what point does Brad address the the needs of the team and get another top right winger up there? Because Johnny needs somebody to play with. I mean, you were saying Domi would be a perfect fit. Um, Josh Anderson would have been a perfect fit. Like, if you can't go out and spend the money because you already spent it, right, with guys like Tanev, uh Markstrom, and, and Lucic, um, then you got to get creative and find somebody that's going to work out in a situation like, you know, that you can afford
1: yeah like still again the the need the glaring glaring need still is there of another top six forward like it's still so glaring it's almost ridiculous like again you can maybe try to stop gap that fill it with with a younger guy maybe you call up a guy like matthew phillips or something but dude they still need another top six guy and like you said they specifically to play with gaudreau you know Like it's just getting ridiculous at this point. And the only reason I said Domi is because, I mean, it's not really working out well for him in, in Columbus. His cap hit would be reasonable at 5.3. Like you could probably probably, uh, find that money somewhere. Um, That was the only reason I brought up Domi. And I think Domi would be such a good, he's a similar player to Gaudreau in that dude can fly through the neutral zone. Dude is a really offensively minded playmaker. So, I think he's, I think he and Gaudreau could, and then move Monahan to the wing. Boom. Problem solved. Domi,
0: Gaudreau, Monahan. What do you think of Eric Stall? He's <sighs> only making 3.25, I think. I mean, he's definitely, how old is he now? He's, he's old. He's like, what, 35 now? 35. I don't know. He, I mean, I'd take him over Richie.
1: 36. I'd take him over Richie. But I mean, if they're going to go out and get somebody, I would just, I want Brad to find they? yeah i know that's what i'm saying
0: if i mean if you're if you're not gonna go out and get somebody like why didn't they get perry if they're gonna go
1: get somebody get somebody legit for once like stop trying to just like plug a hole or just like kind of stop gap it or band-aid it just go get the guy you want already if it means you have to trade monahan or something dude, like i'm sick of this it's like, kind of with the coaching thing right it's like enough enough go get the guy Who's going to get the job done and, or else don't talk about it. I don't want to hear again, how he was in on something and it fell through like either do it or forget or, or either call Matt Phillips up and play Matt Phillips there all year or put Kachuk with Gaudreau or do something or go get a top six forward. Just do it already. You need to do it. Yeah. I mean, it,
0: it was being reported that Brad was looking for a right winger before the coaching change it's died off now. And this, this, I don't know, maybe it just looks this way, but this is like, this is not, you know, war, um, gradually living to a T just like, Oh, I did one thing. Now I can sit back and not do another thing. So just like you still have the same needs regardless of, you know, you finally address the coaching, you still have that top six hole up there. Yeah. So get it done. Um, the last thing I want to touch on, we got to give Noah Hannafin some love. We've shit on him a lot in the past. Um, well, to be fair, we mostly
1: shit on him in the context of him playing with Travis Hammonick as a pairing.
0: Yeah. I've, I've singled him out as an individual <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> Who haven't but, we singled out though, but he's been, um, he's been really good this season and that, that pairing with him and Tanev. And I mean, I mean, you, you spent time on this last podcast of, you know saying that you you've weren't, weren't thrilled with the Tanner siding, but he's turning out to to be great this season we'll see how it matures in the, in the next few years but um they've been excellent
1: they've been great and like if Hanif could just learn to shoot that would be great because
0: hey we saw a nice shot last game had a oh, great shot he, he i was went.
1: really worried he was going to bury that right into mike smith's crest because that's what he's known for he's not particularly known for his finishing if he could get his offensive game rolling again like he did last year, because that's what's been the most surprising thing to me is that he's turned into, um, he's having such a good defensive impact because the knock on him last year, and especially with Hammond, was like, dude, cannot play in his own end. And Yeah, that was bad last year. What's funny is like, how much were we praising Rasmus Anderson last year (laughs) for solidifying Noah Hannafin when maybe the opposite was true? Yeah, because one guy looks really good. One guy looks like ass. So they've been an yeah. excellent pairing uh, on a it, it's too bad. Geo and Anderson are struggling so bad because it, it, the emergence of Tanev as an elite shutdown defenseman, along with Hannafin's progression, has been the most encouraging thing of the season. While the uh, regression of Giordano and the just straight up terrible play of Anderson and uh geo has been probably the most depressing part of the season so man if chris Chan- man chris hanev though like he's returned to- he's returned to form like no doubt he- he's been great like hannafin has been great but i mean i am blown away with how good a defenseman chris Tanev is
0: he's been your best defenseman easily it's not even close yeah no that's, that's- he's been a fresher breath air back there really yeah <laughs> All right, so watch for some adjustments. We'll see if there's any. If there's not any on the surface, you got to look a little deeper. Um, this this, this uh, two games coming up against the Maple Leafs, so you have to get one. Um, if, you can, if you can get three out of four points, I'm thrilled. But you have to win at least one of these games.